Welcome to the Way Ministries Church Service with Pastor John Searcy. We invite you to join us on Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. For more teachings, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. You may also contact Pastor John by email at thewayministries001 at gmail.com. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life, and some to shame, and, and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Amen. Once we were dead because of our sins. He raised us to life. He put breath back into us. So he led us to righteousness so we can help bring other people to righteousness. Amen. And we shine like the bright stars. To shine like a bright light in this dark world. Amen. That's why he calls us and that's why he saves us. That's an awesome scripture right there. We are going to be doing a study in Daniel. That's coming in time. It's going to take a while to get that one together. There's a lot in that one. But we will get there. Amen. Alright, I want to talk about this development of biblical spiritual growth. And we have to understand we're not to confuse our salvation with our sanctification or our spiritual growth. Because it doesn't depend on what we do to get saved. It depends on what we believe to get saved. Amen? That's first and foremost. We have to understand that. And a lot of times as we do this, we start to think that our performance is, uh, is what saves us. But I want us to go to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to just reiterate why God saved us and the difference between our salvation and the spiritual growth and the development of that, which we are going to be talking about tonight, okay? So we don't confuse the two. Look at verse 1. Because this can get very confusing as we do this spiritual walk saying, well, I don't think I'm performing like I should. Maybe God's not happy with me. No, God's not happy with you because of your performance. He's happy with you because of what you believe. Amen? And what you believe is going to end up showing up in your life. Look what it says in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. The Bible says we were born spiritually dead in Adam. And that's it. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. This is the God of the Bible now. So rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, now we're still alive. He's talking about spiritual death here. We were born spiritually dead without the Spirit of God in us. He gave, look at, even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. 
For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus. We're going to heaven because we believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Amen. Not based on our performance. Because just imagine if it was. All of us are done. We're all going to hell then. Because none of us can perform perfectly each and every day. Can I get an amen for that? And thank God for Jesus. When he raised, it is only by God's grace, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. As we learn the Bible, we learn to know all that he's done for us. And we learn to know our position, our condition, our walk with him, and how much he loves us and he's not holding his sins against us and all the precious promises of the Bible we come to believe and learn. Amen? But that's a process. That's what we're going to be talking about. Getting saved is a one-time event. If that was the case, just believing in Jesus, we wouldn't have to come to church anymore or anything else. We're saved and going to heaven and just go live the way you used to live. But no, God did something greater than that. Let's, let's just read this. He raised us from the dead, spiritual death, and made us along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we united with him. So God can point to us, verse 7, in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, shown in all he has done for us who are united with him. Now look at verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you started behaving. No, it's not in there. He saved him when you believed. Okay, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. We have to understand that it's a gift from God, and God is not an Indian giver. He doesn't take back his gift based on our performance, because he knew from the beginning to the end that we wouldn't be able to do it. Amen? This is an awesome thing to know that. To know that heaven is my home is the foundation of our spiritual walk and spiritual growth, and it's not based on our performance, because if it was, we would walk away. Because we can't do it. That's why a lot of people walk away. Because they think God's some consuming judge that's looking at everything I do. And not at anything I believe. We're saved by what we believe, not by what we do. And we're going to show the difference how that shows up later. God saved, look at verse 8. By his grace, when you believe, you can't take credit. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And this is verse 10. This is what we are going to be talking about tonight. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So he saved us. We're God's masterpiece. Okay, I'm looking at my life and saying, if I look back at my life and say, boy, my life is no Rembrandt, that's for sure. There is no masterpiece here. That's why I needed a savior. If you're honest with yourself, you look at your life and say, boy, I didn't produce no masterpiece. That's for sure. No Rembrandt. But he did. Look what he says. We're God. He's created us anew. This study is to show us how to develop into his masterpiece. Okay? A true work of art produced in us by the Holy Spirit, which is His Word. Like it tells us in Colossians chapter 3. Let's go there now. Colossians chapter 3. Stay with me. We're going to be going through some scripture tonight. If you have your Bible, the pages will be flipping. 
If not, you get it through your phone, whatever. Whichever way you get it, just make sure you get there. It tells us in Colossians 3.10, very clearly, to put on your new nature and be renewed. How do you get renewed? As you learn to know your creator, but not only learn to know him, it says something else after that. And become like him. This is the most important part. This is the part we're talking about developing how we could become like him. Our sanctification. We're already saved and God sees us like he sees his son by just by what we believe. And thank God for that. Because if it wasn't for that, none of us are going to make it. Now he's talking about he's going to do in us what our sin nature took away from us, what he created us to do a long time ago. Amen? Amen. That's what we're talking about here. You see, Jesus didn't save us so we could live like the devil and get away with it, as some people might think. Rather, he saved us so we can get away from the devil and become like him. See, we couldn't get away from him. We couldn't get away from the devil because it was always in our sin nature to be gravitated towards that and rebellious against God. So Jesus had to come to give us the power to become like him instead of the devil. Like God created us to be. Amen? All right, am I coming across all right so far? All right. He saved us so we can get away from the devil. Amen. And that is the process of sanctification, spiritual growth that this ministry is all about. Okay? That we are going to talk about tonight and how to develop that. Not to confuse the two and how to become what we believe or already possess as believers in Jesus Christ as our Savior. How to become. You become what you believe. Amen? This is the process of sanctification. Becoming like Christ. All right. Now that I introduced that, now we can get into this. Development of biblical spiritual growth. Many sincere Christians, we talked about this, we started getting into it last week, we ran out of time. We're probably going to run out of time again tonight. So stay tuned for the next episode, it's coming up. But this is going to help us in our daily life. Look, if we can't come here and get something we can use, it's going to be useless to come to church, amen? We come to church so we can get something we can use and take it out into that world. Many sincere Christians, okay, go through life looking for some book or commentary or CD or conference that will instantly and effortlessly turn them into mature Christians. But it doesn't work that way. While we live in an age of instant this and microwave that, there is no such thing as instantaneous spiritual maturity. We talk about this all the time. However, every believer can experience continuous spiritual growth if they are willing to apply God's word and develop their relationship with him. It's a gradual process. Spiritual growth is not automatic. Salvation is. Thank God that's automatic, right? The moment we believe heaven is our home, that's awesome. That is the foundation to our walk now. Knowing that if we fall, we pick ourselves back up, dust ourselves off, and get back in the race. Amen? Thank God. Heaven's my home. But a lot of us, why do I got to keep repeating that? Because a lot of us forget that. We get beat up by life, and we think that we're bad Christians. Because I said something out of line, or I thought something lustful. Hello? Who hasn't? He says we're sinners, thought, word, and deed, and we get saved 
thought, word, and deed. First, we have to renew our minds and change our thinking before our actions will follow. It's from the inside out. Okay, and this is what we're going to teach on tonight. If every person who was born again would progress along a certain path, at some point, automatically arrive spiritually. Instead, like physical growth, spiritual growth is a gradual process of development. Okay, just like when you go to the gym and exercise. You know it as well as I do. It takes a while to build up this body and get rid of what we don't want. And it's the same thing with the devil. It takes a while to build up the body of Christ and get rid of what we don't want, which is our sin nature. It's the same thing. Haven't you not noticed? Boy, I've been walking with this Lord for a long time and my sin nature still comes up and bites me. I want everybody to understand it's okay because it bites everybody. Nobody's perfect. We come to church because we're not. Jesus is perfecting us through his word, which is maturing us. Okay? So God could have chosen to turn us into super saints the moment we got saved, but he didn't. Instead, he chose to teach us one lesson at a time, like he allowed the children of Israel to possess the land. Remember? I'm going to give you the Hittites, the Jebusites. We went over this already. And how's everybody doing with that walk through the Bible in a year? Isn't it awesome? It's blessing me by doing it. And it's great that you can always catch up and don't beat yourself up if you miss one. You know, day seven, you can catch up and reiterate on what you read. It's just a beautiful thing, amen? So don't beat yourself up if you're not perfect. Only There's only one perfect one, it's Jesus. He's maturing us. You know what happens? People get discovered. You miss a couple days, they say, oh, forget it, I'll pick up with it next year. Hello, How, when you really want something, do you give up that easy? No, if you want to grow spiritually, then don't give up that easy. Fight. you got to fight. got to fight this flesh. It's our enemy. The enemy's up here. We're going to talk about that. It's in the mind. God's plan for you is that you grow spiritually, become like Christ gradually, okay? When it comes to spiritual growth, the secret to your success is hitting in your everyday life. Okay, this is how he sanctifies us through our walk each and every day. Okay, while what you once, while that once in a while can make a small difference, what you do, what you do every day can literally change the direction of your life. Amen. How you act and what you do every day. Let me tell you something. When you get up in the morning, you're on the mission field. I'm on the mission field. It's on. As soon as I wake up, the devil's already all over me. It's like I want to put my thoughts above. And the devil's got me thinking of everything that's got to get done today. And all my problems and all my bills and all the stuff I got to do, 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 do. And forget about him, 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 him. And he wins a lot, don't he? But growing spiritually, we can start to wake up and think about the things above. Saying, this isn't my home. I'm not going to buy into that, well, that nonsense. I'm going to talk to Jesus this morning and do what he created me to do. And Relax. How many of us have a hard time relaxing? Me personally, when I sit down, I think I'm being unproductive. I'm sitting down to relax for a minute. I think I'm, I should be doing something. I'm like, hello? No, you're supposed to be thinking of Jesus once in a while. Sit down. It's okay not to do anything. The world's got to perform, perform, perform. Working eight days out of seven, instead of seven. Right? That's not how we grow spiritually, though. And God makes sure of it. God's plan, okay, getting there, okay? There's no shortcuts to maturity, okay? It's a process, 
but you can become like a tree planted by the water. Here's some of the things that will help you. Okay, first, the thing that has to take place, the first principle is renewing our mind. Okay, that's the first thing that has to take place, and which most people don't do that first. They renew the outside first. Get everything together on the outside, but their mind is still sinful and thinking thoughts from the, from hell and the selfishness, okay? Power thoughts or desires. Your thoughts are very powerful. In fact, your daily routine, every action, every behavior is motivated by what you think, okay? About the carnal, immature mind thinks about worldly things, like it says in James chapter 1. Let's go there now. We're going to talk about the worldly mind, or the carnal mind, the Bible calls it, and then we're going to talk about what the spiritual mind thinks when it gets renewed. Look at James 1, verse 14. I was doing this study, and I'm like, wow, what I think is like twisted. I could always put on a good show outwardly, go to church, do all these outward things, but what goes on in this head? Look what it says in verse 14. Temptation comes from our own desires or thoughts which entice us and drag us away from what? Drag away, drag us away from growing spiritually. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. See, when we start walking in our sin nature, it kills our spiritual growth. We don't die. We die spiritually. Every time our sinful nature takes over, it kills us spiritually. Can I get an amen for that? All right. I want to get on the same page. Listen, all of us go through this. Now we're going to talk about what the spiritually, or spiritually grown mind thinks about. All right. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. This is how we know we're growing, what we're thinking. A lot of us don't give a lot of thought to what we're thinking. We give a lot of thought of what we're doing, but not a lot of thought what we're thinking. Because what we're thinking is a direct result of what we're doing. So if we're doing sinful things, that means we're thinking wrong. Look what it says in verse 2 of Colossians chapter 3. It tells us clearly to think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So we have to understand, once we renew our mind, that's why when you read the walk, the daily walk and stuff like that, your mind is starting to get renewed with God's word. And this is the process that takes place. As we get renewed with God's word, the world system gets pushed out slowly. Very slowly. Right? Have you not noticed? You, do, you read the word, right? Then right away, you're right back into your life again. Instead of just absorbing it and meditating on it for a while. But it does happen. It's a process of growth. It has been rightly said, you sow a thought and you reap an act. Okay? You sow an act and you reap a habit. They say you do something continuously for 21 days, you end up picking up a habit. Okay? Show a habit and you reap a character. Your habits develop what your character is. Okay? Show a character and you reap a destiny. Or say, what, what God is trying to say is, I'm trying to sow my character into you so your destiny is heaven and you can start to see that now. 
It's, but that takes process, and we have to renew our mind. Whatever you've learned in the world is useless for God's kingdom. For his world, I don't care how smart you are down here, you have to become like a baby again to get into God's kingdom because he has to teach you from the ground up again. That's why he calls us being born again. And that's hard for a lot of us to absorb, to say, I mean, I got to become like a kid again when I'm so smart down here? Very hard to absorb. The intellectual mind is very hard to let God take over. Amen? Because we think that people and can take over and do, and do for us what only he can do. This statement is true whether the sowing pr- process begins with a positive thought or a negative thought. Because when you start to think God's thoughts, you start reaping positive results in your life. Because your destiny ultimately begins with your thoughts. A key to growth involves keeping a close eye on your thought life. Everybody keeps an eye on what's going on around them instead of thinking, instead of keeping an eye on what's going on up here in this coconut and this melon. It's so easy to get consumed by what's going on outside and not sitting down to see what's going on up here. And if this does not get renewed, what's going on out there will never change. Never. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. And it tells us clearly, all this is backed up by scripture, and I'm going to show you where it is and how to use it. It's not unfamiliar, these verses I'm going to be telling you, but when you put them into these categories of how to live them, they come alive even more, amen? Okay. It says in Romans 8 verse 5 very clearly, those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. So now you have to say, what am I thinking about in the course of a day? It says, if my mind is being controlled by my sin nature, I'm going to think about sinful things. Okay, then it says, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So what are things that please the Spirit? Saying, well, how can I help somebody today? How can, I want to read the Bible. I want to talk to Jesus. I want to like put myself aside and help somebody. See, that's the spirit doesn't, isn't selfish. The spirit denies self for the benefit of others. Now it says, verse six, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Now he's talking about people that are believers. So my sinful nature can still control me and I can die spiritually as a believer. Very important. We have to understand what we're thinking. Do you sit down and think about what you're thinking? Or do you sit down and try to think about what other people are thinking? We think that we're mind readers. Oh, I know what they were thinking. I could tell, right? Sure you do. How's that working? You can't even tell what you're thinking anymore. See, hello. That's why we need a savior. Hello, that's why we need to have Jesus in our lives. Because he helps us get the thinking right. And Jesus is what we call the Word. Jesus is the Word of God. The Word became flesh, remember? Now look what it says. So letting us, verse 6, cleans to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So do you want peace in your life? Guess what's going to be controlling your mind? The Holy Spirit. Not what you're thinking. You see, it tells you. Do you want life and peace? Well, this is what's going to take place. And this is the last place people go to change. Up here. 
Everybody wants to change outside them. Only if they did this, if they were better here, if I had a better job, if I looked better here. And everybody tries to feel better by doing outward things. But it doesn't change what's going on up here. We're still always lacking something. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 now. Here we go. We're going to get into this. You hear it all the time. You tell people, watch out for them Christians. They're brainwashed. I say this all the time, right? But it's a true fact. We need to, we need to change our thoughts to what God would have us think instead of the world. And this is what the washing of the word means. It doesn't mean that we're brainwashed. It means that we now, our mind is thinking the thoughts God created us to think. Now look what it says in verse 3. We are human, 2 Corinthians 10. But we don't wage war as humans do. This is what Christians do right away, okay? I'm going to tell you right now. We wage war as humans do in the spirit world. And it doesn't work. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of what? Human reasoning. It's not talking about other things. It's talking about human reasoning. See, everybody thinks that you get smart by being reasonable. And I got to think, reason. look, God, you read the Old Testament, what he did? You struck the rock and water came out of it. You think you're reasonable? Go outside and hit a rock. See if it comes out, any water comes out of it. There's no reasoning behind that. It's miraculous. It's supernatural. So don't think you can figure it out. You can't. Here's what it says. Look what it says. We knock down the strongholds of human reasonings and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. See, once you become a believer, you have God. But your sinful nature will stop you from knowing Him. It's two different things. Having God and knowing God is two different things. Salvation is having God. Sanctification is knowing God and walking in His ways. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. See, we gotta, we gotta stop what we're thinking and start renewing it with what God would think, which is the Word of God. Now, how does that happen? Boy, that takes time. A lot, look, you have to give yourself a lot of time here, okay? How many of us beat ourselves up thinking we should be farther along? Look, it takes time to renew this. And some of us don't want to renew some of the things that we think are right. So God has to tear them down slowly. Transform through thoughts. Jesus said this. Look at John 15, verse 5 to 8, okay? We're going to talk about all these things in the scriptures that back them. I love this. Because I say to myself, wow, that's hard. Jesus says in verse 5 of John 15, very clearly, Yes, I am the vine, okay? And you are the branches. Those who remain in me, okay? And I in them will produce much fruit. So what does it mean, remain in me? It means those who become like me. See, remaining means becoming. It says those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. You see, when you develop Christ, Christian, God's character, you start to produce the fruits of the Spirit because Christ is working through you. That's what it's talking about here. Look, 
For apart from me, you can do nothing. What happens? We become believers. And then we try to live out this life apart from him. Thinking that we can figure it out. Okay? But we can't figure it out apart from this. Look. This has to go in. You know how long it takes for this to get in here? It takes long enough to get it up here. But for it to become part of you, takes twice as long. So don't think that if you're not in here, you ain't going to get none of it in here. He's divine. The word of God. Look, everybody goes outside of this. Look, and this is the teacher. Listen, we want to grow more than he's... Look, you want more revelation, you have to actually apply what he already revealed to you. Once you apply it, then he'll reveal more. But no, we want more and more and more before we end up developing any of the character that it produces. So we go outside of this and try to get someone a human view of what it says in here. Instead of getting it, look, when you want something in the world, don't you want to get it right from the horse's mouth? Well, this is right from God's mouth. Why would you want to go anywhere else to get the information when he's trying to give it to you in here? Why go outside of this? It's a trap. It's a dangerous trap. Thinking that human beings can figure out what this is. And it's different for each and every one. It's very dangerous. And I see people all the time thinking they're smarter than God by what they learn from outside of that. I'm like, you know what, Lord? Don't let me go outside of that because I don't want to become like a Pharisee or a religious fanatic or somebody that thinks they know it all. I want to become like Jesus. And the only way that's going to happen is if I stay with Him and not go outside Him. Now, I'm not talking about what you need to survive in the world. That's different. What you need to survive spiritually is in here. You can't get from the world what you need to get from Him. Can I get an amen for that? And we try to go to the world to get the information we need from Him. He said, let God be true. Let everybody else be a liar. Human beings lie. There is no lies in here. <laughs> Where's Alexander when you want him? See, it actually rubbed off on you, man. Amen. That's right. Guess what? This book is a fact. Every word in it is a fact. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now look what it says. Anyone who does not remain in me or become like me through this, look what it says, is, is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. What do you mean? Does that mean I'm getting kicked out of heaven? No. It means you have no eternal value and no use for the kingdom down here. You're still going to heaven, but you never use what you create, what God created you to use. You'll never be in effect on the kingdom of darkness. That's what it's saying. But you have to remain in him and become like him. But if you remain in me, now look what he says. If you remain in me, and what else remains in you? My words remain in you. See it? You may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. By the way, when his, this word is in you, you're asking for the right stuff. <laughs> okay? That's what it's talking about. It's not saying give me a caddy in a new house. No, he, he's, the Bible tells us how to be content with whatever we have. The problem is with the world, they're never content. We always got more and more and more, do more and more and more. I'm like, I'm done doing. I want to relax. 
I want to, I want to, I want to do what he wants me to do. Cause I can never do what I want to do. There's never enough time for that. Alright, look what it says. And you ask for anything, when you produce much fruit, look what it says in verse 8. When you do, you, you are my true disciples. You see it? When fruit is produced from the believer's life, then that proves that you are one of his disciples. You see what I, see what it says there? You don't get saved by what you do. When you get saved, you start doing the things he wants you to do. It shows up on the outside as fruit. Spiritual fruit. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to who? My father. Look, when you start producing fruit for God, it might not bring any glory to you down here. As a matter of fact, you're going to make some enemies when you do his will. In order to glorify God, grow spiritually, and bear fruit, we need to remain in him and let his words remain in us. Very simple, it says. God's word remains, becomes part in your, you as your daily read, as you daily read the Bible, meditate on it, pray in agreement with what it says, and let it influence your life. As you remain in him, you literally begin to think like God thinks. That's what it says. And look at situations from his point of view. His word goes from simply being processed by your mind to dwelling in your heart. That's the difference. First it has to go in here and renew this, and then it goes down into your heart. You see it? You go from just reading his word to understanding it, and it becomes part of you. That's the difference. Hebrews 4, go to Hebrews 4, chapter 12. That's when it becomes alive. Look what it says. This is the only thing that can change us from the inside out. Nothing else will do it. You can try all you want. You can try behavior modification. It only works for a length of time. Then you come back. And you come back. And you come back with a vengeance. How many of us have tried behavior modifications? How does it work? See, here's the thing. We can get instant, like, go to for behavior modification, but it doesn't produce anything lasting in us. As soon as a problem comes that upsets us, we come right back. Right? And we come back seven times worse, or whatever. The Bible, it might even be more. I love, you know, God's so gentle with me, though. It's like, John, you know, every time I try to do it, he lets me. Because it's still a free choice of mine. I still have the choice to do what I want to do. And every time I try, I fail. And I go to him and God just says, See, I told you. Why are you even leaving? When I want you to come back home. He's like, in the, in the remember the prodigal? He's like this. I'm not chasing you, but I'm ready when you come back. Amen? He lets us make our mistakes and our messes because it helps develop us. Then we finally say, You know what? I ain't going. <laughs> I ain't going. It hurts me more than it hurts anybody else. And you stop. That's Look at verse 12. For the word of God is alive. Not only is it alive, but it's powerful. God's words are the power. 
It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and mouth. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It has the ability to change you from the inside out, like it says in Romans chapter 2. All right, let's keep going into that. You remember, in the, I don't know if anybody read the Old Testament, one of the kings didn't like what the word was saying, so he tore the pages out and he threw them in the fireplace because he didn't like them parts of the Bible. That's what we do. Well, we close the book on that part. The Bible explains the human heart to a T and hasn't changed one bit. You're reading the Old Testament, right? We all do the same things. And they actually had all these miracles in front of them. God leading them, actually literally talking to them. Think about how accurate they were. God was talking to Moses about how precise he wanted the tabernacle built, every inch, every cubit, everything. And he was going to put the spirit into the craftsman to build it. That's how powerful it is. God's word. He actually literally spoke to them and they still didn't believe him. We're stubborn too. Jesus can drop right down in front of us and it's like, tomorrow's another day. This led us to show the weakness. That's why we need him. Thank you, Jesus. Look what it says in Romans 12 too. It tells us, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Now, God wants to transform you and it tells us exactly how. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Wait a minute, I better go to Bible college to learn that one. No, very simple. He wants to transform us into a new person by changing what goes on in our thoughts. That's why that's an important thing. Listen, you have to evaluate what you're thinking. That shows where you're at. Are you thinking about what you're thinking? And then you know where you're at. Nobody stops to think of what they're thinking, always thinking of what someone else is thinking or doing. That's why they call it the mirror of God's word. Trying to show you in it. You know, you hear it all the time. I wish so-and-so was here so they could hear this message. No, the message is for you. Now look what it says. Then you will learn. Listen, changing the way you think, then you will, if you want to know what God's will is, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The word transformed here refers to metamorphosis. I told this before. Everybody knows the metamorphosis, right? When the caterpillar goes in to a cocoon, what does it come out like? A butterfly. Can that butterfly ever go back to a caterpillar? Never. The transformation is permanent. The begin, the moment you believe, the transformation takes place and something happens to us. We, it is a metamorphosis. We become butterflies. Me a butterfly? Me a masterpiece? Yes, you're a masterpiece in God's eyes. And then he's not, now he's going to show you how to become one while you're here. That's the difference. Look at it says. It implies that like a caterpillar grows, you are changed as you renew your mind with the word of God. Listen, this is what people do the least, is renew their mind with God's word. They go into all other things except the word. And, and God is trying to teach you through his word, very slowly, how to live right. And we want to live right, we want to know how to live right and know God's will for us faster than he's willing to give it to us. So we close the book and go elsewhere. Because we think that we want more knowledge. 
Look, God will give you more knowledge when you actually use what he's already given you. And you'll get plenty of it. How many of us in here think we're so smart down here? Don't even answer that. I'm smarter than the average guy. Look, compare yourself to Jesus. Compare yourself to Jesus. And all of us are a bunch of dummies. It's just the way it is. You could always look better than someone else on the side of you. But when you compare yourself to the cross, we're all in the same boat, amen? That's why I like to keep this place humble, okay, and teachable. You can't get teachable if it's already filled with something else and it's closed. And that's why people won't read the Bible. Because they think they already know everything, so why do I got to read the Bible? No, you don't read it, you don't know anything. Unless you start reading the Bible, then he'll teach you. And we provide the opportunity to do it. Because I know that's the only thing that's going to change you. Look, I became, I came from the pit to the pastor. Okay? And the only thing that did that was God. The Word of God. That's the only thing that could do it. Nothing else could change me. Nothing. That's how I know it's real because what I experienced it. Okay? I was down here and now I'm actually a pastor. You really think I, in my flesh that I could ever do this? Never. I was not a masterpiece growing up. I was a tsunami. <laughs> they didn't call me Johnny Tsunami for nothing. I was definitely not a masterpiece, and he he's made me a masterpiece. Imagine, now I have to... Look, you actually become what you believe. When you believe you're a masterpiece and you renew your mind with God's word, you actually become like him. It really takes place, but you have to do it. But you have to understand that you are, if you already think that you're a masterpiece, pride is what keeps us out of learning. If you already think you're a masterpiece, you can't become one because you already think you are. So that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to break the masterpiece out of us and build us up as his masterpiece. And that's the process we don't like. But it's absolutely essential to grow spiritually. Okay? It tells us here, in Roman, Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. It tells us what to do. I love this. It tells us we have to put on our new nature. Put on your new nature. You know when you gotta get up in the morning and put your clothes on? You can't go, you can't go to work in your pajamas, right? Or if you wear pajamas at all, some people don't. Please, I don't wanna know. <laughs> I don't know what you wear when you go to bed. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, some people work from house can go to work in their pajamas. I, I happen at my, I don't, I can't go to work in my pajamas. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it tells us to put on our new nature. So it's something that has to physically happen. It's telling us we have to put on that nature. So what does that mean? Is that something like putting on clothes? No, my mind has to start thinking like God's. It has to be renewed. So I put that on in the morning instead of my flesh and my thinking. And that's through renewing your mind through God's word. And you finally come up and start saying, I'm going to go to work for Jesus today. I'm going to conquer one of the Hittites and the Jebusites today. God's going to help me. I'm going after it. We have to go after it, though. It doesn't just... Have you not noticed that your sin nature doesn't change by osmosis? It loves to come back. Don't we wish... Everybody loves this. Oh, I'm just going to pray about it. And Jesus is going to... Don't you wish that did it? 
No, you don't have to pray about anything. You already have what he's given you to be that way. You have to actually use it though. You see, it's not just a prayer. It's the application of what you believe that changes you. As you learn to know your creator and become like him. How could you become like him if all you do is pray? The next one, stability, is the one indicator of spiritual maturity. Okay? We're going to get a couple minutes left here, but we're going to get into this a little bit. Stability. Have you ever noticed how some people believe one thing one day and doubt in the next? Because they are unstable and spiritually immature, just like it says in James chapter 1. Let's go there. We're going to close in this last chapter. We're going to go there, though. Isn't that one thing we want in our life is stability? When you get up in the morning, when there's a problem, you're still stable and you don't fall apart. See, people don't understand Christianity. They think, now that I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to get blessed every day and not have any problems. No, he doesn't work that way. He gives you the ability to handle the problem in a stable form without falling apart. That's what he does. He gives us the ability. The problems don't go away. He gives us the ability to handle them his way, not ours. That's how you know. It says, verse 7, if you're washed about, it says, some such people should not to expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything they do. See, they struggle with the inability to receive what God, that what they need from God is because they're going back and forth to the world to get it. What they can only get through here. So they don't get anything. They get shipwrecked. They come out the form. I want to get it from God, but I can't get it from here, so I'm going to go somewhere else and get it. I'm going to go into the world and get it. And you can't create stability that way. This is what stabilizes us. This is all I need, the Bible says. And this will create stability in your life. If you trust it and believe it and obey it and apply it. And that's the process that we are developing. We are under development. You know when they develop a... You ever see them develop like a plat? Oh, yeah, it's okay. You know when they develop a plat, you see them start tearing down all the woods and everything? How long does it take for them to, to develop that whole plat? Years! That's how long it takes him to develop his character in us. Literally, the rest of our lives. And we just don't want it. We want it faster than that. Look, the only way you can get it faster is just like fertilizer. You want your plants to grow better, you got to fertilize them. So you got to do more of the work that God calls you to do. Read more of the Bible. Apply more of it. Become of service to Him. And then you'll grow more spiritual. There is a way to grow faster. By doing His will. Not your will. Not my will, but your will, Lord, right? Sometimes it's painful. The struggle with the inability, because they, listen... I don't care if you've been a Christian for five weeks or 50 years. You can develop a more solid faith by integrating more of God's word into your heart and mind. It's got to integrate with it. All right, we're going to stop there, okay? Thank you for letting me share that with you. We're out of time. Brittany's going to come up and sing. We're going to stand and stay tuned for the next exciting episode of Developing Our Spiritual Growth.